first you got to take care of yourself before you can lead others. You know, and there, there's that old saying that the purpose of leadership isn't to create more followers, it's to create more leaders. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. We bring you leaders acting on their environmental values because too many people told me, I want to act, but if others don't, then what I do won't matter. We're here to make it obvious that you're not alone. You're part of a global community, a majority. Also, too many people told me, doing small things doesn't make enough of a difference and big things take too much work. Action matters more than the size you start with. You'll hear how action motivates guests from small things to doing big things. You won't find guilt, blame, doom, gloom, or telling people what to do. You will find leading without relying on authority, which brings what I found missing from acting on environmental values. Joy, discovery, growth, community, meaning, purpose, value, sharing. With global demand for environmental action, I bet you'll see that acting on your values doesn't distract from your life and career. Following these leaders' footsteps and beyond enjoying the environment, I bet you'll see promotions, raises, more loyalty and trust in your relationships, and more. Scott comes from leading billion-dollar companies within major global corporations, well, Procter & Gamble, uh, which he left to restart a life of a speaker, a writer, a coach. You know, he has to go out and hustle now. So he brings multiple views to helping people. You'll hear that he's mission-driven, he's purposeful, he's focused on others. I think he says very clearly the common theme that I, I hear throughout in the most effective leaders, they focus on the other person. It's, it's the motivations and the emotions of the other people, what drives them. That's what, that's what you lead them with. And he shares how and why he changed in ways that a lot of people dream of to go from corporate to living the life that he wants on his terms. Not easy, pretty hard. I can speak from experience myself that he's helped me and coached me in ways that have helped me beyond what I thought. We met because we have the same literary agent. This is a couple of years ago. He made that launch process, which was very difficult, a lot easier than it would have been, giving me wisdom and connections. And you could tell he really enjoyed helping me. So let's listen to Scott. We've met, I guess it's been maybe a year or so now, that, and we met through, we have the same book agent and the That's same right. publisher. That's right. And uh, your book is coming out. Where you're, have it, has it, I have not read it yet. No, I have read some of it. Yeah, it, w- it would have just been excerpts I sent you. It's called uh, Find the Fire. Um, how to reignite your inspiration and make work exciting again. And it's uh, built around a simple premise of, man, there's a lot of people out there that are just hurting in their jobs and at work right now that are really unhappy and inspiration is left out the door. Research would tell us 70% of us feel that way, frankly. And, you know, we try to repair it by when we're feeling down and blue and uninspired, we ask ourselves, well, what inspires me? And I'm going to go try to do more of that. But that's not the right way to go at it because that's a very um, passive, elusive thing that can get repressed if you try to bring it on that way. And a better question to ask yourself is, well, how did I lose my inspiration in the first place? And the book answers that question because inspiration was everywhere when you started your job. You didn't have to work very hard. It was very natural, very naturally occurring. And a number of things happened to us over time that just drain the inspiration out of our work lives. And the work, uh, the book is a, exposes those things and, and gives kind of a cerebral discussion of what inspiration is. Every time I've interacted with you, you've been tremendously helpful. You've been upbeat. In my experience with you, you don't sound like someone who's lost the passion. Is, is it something that happens to everyone? Or are you speaking from experience or people they've coached? Yeah, very, very insightful uh, from you, Joshua. I'm lucky in that I, I'm a self-inspiring 
type person, meaning that I always, you know, I've tapped into what I've been researching for over two decades uh, to figure out the tricks of how to keep my engine fueled and how to keep my passion burning. Um, that's been going for, you know, quite some time. So I'm lucky to avoid the malaise that strikes uh, quite a few people, I think. But it's also because I'm able to avoid that, that I feel I'm so equipped to help just the masses and masses of other people that are just losing their mojo uh, at work. You're sharing what works for you. What has, I mean, were you always that way? Or, cause I think that people who learn these social emotional skills, a lot of people think, oh, they're just born that way. But I think everyone learns it. I think that maybe people learn it when they're a kid and they don't remember learning it, but you, no one's born automatically knowing how to be happy no matter what. <laughs> That's exactly right. And those that say they are are full of baloney. So, yeah, there's a lot of intentionality to what I write about, Josh, and you know, and what I uh, speak about. There's definitely you have to have a, a a plan for it. There's, I feel like I'm 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 lucky in that. I'm very naturally a very happy guy, and when I do have periods of malaise, they're very short. But because of that, I feel blessed, and I I've made it my personal mission to help those that are kind of suffering, and I try my level best to walk a mile in their shoes as much as I can. And I supplement my own limited experience in the periods of, you know, when I'm personally not inspired with research on what millions and millions and millions of data points would point to how people generally tend to become uninspired. And I use that as fuel to figure out solutions and help people um, pull themselves out of the malaise. On a per- All right, you're talking about what happens with them. I'm kind of curious for you as a coach, as a leader, you've led in mega giant corporations and now is it fair to say you're more of a hustler i mean you're a speaker you've spoken to lots and lots i mean you're yeah people don't know this but he, he's i'm moving into speaking you're way ahead of me and you're you've been very helpful with your experience so you've worked with lots and lots of people in lots and lots of contexts what's it like for you is it like is it like do they inspire you back is it is it what's it like helping people when you get the results i'd have to say it's so funny you know i i worked at uh, Procter and Gamble for several decades, and I ran some of their very largest multi-billion-dollar businesses. And when I decided to take the leap and go into the world of speaking and writing, um, you know, some people were like, "You're crazy, man! You got the golden handcuffs. You got everything going for you. You got, you know, more promotions looming, even more money, even more power, even more responsibility." But I kept coming back to to one question. And I, and I asked myself this over and over and over again to make the decision of, you know, should I stay or should I go from corporate life, which was with the time I have left on this planet, whatever that might be, can, what is the easiest and most powerful way, the most productive way to have a positive impact in the lives of other human beings? Is it sticking around at Procter and Gamble and fighting my way to the next level of the company and running a division of, you know, a thousand and being you know, hopeful to, have personal contacts with a hundred of them and influencing a hundred of them directly or speaking to 5,000 people at once, like I did two months ago and connecting with their hearts and their minds or thousands and thousands and thousands of people I can reach with my writing through my books or my column that I write for uh, Inc, uh, Inc.com. And once I put it that way, it was very, very simple that when I knew the best way to make an impact on other people is by going and doing what I've chosen to do now, it became a very simple equation. And so now to answer your question directly, what does it feel like when you're helping people? It feels like I'm fulfilling my mission. It feels like I'm living the purpose and what I was intended to do and 
Not that I didn't enjoy my time in corporate life and that I didn't try my level best to influence people around me in the best way possible. But I feel like now I'm more directly and congruently in line with what's significant to me in my life. And so it's a very profound feeling of of deep satisfaction when I'm able to help people. Uh, Josh, a very long answer to a simple question. I want to ask you something. So you make the switch and now you're doing it on your own, but also you collectively, people who say, I want to find meaning and purpose and, and create it for myself in the world. How do you influence people? How do you lead people when you don't have authority over them? I mean, I know how, I, I mean, is that one of the main things that you, you have to do is because you can't just like work up the ladder. You have to find people, you have to find opportunities, make these, make things happen. And when you don't have that structure around you, how do you influence people? How do you get people to want to hire you and promote you and things like that? Yeah, it's a great question, Joshua. And, and what's always worked for me, at least in, you know, in my career and my approach, um, I have to say is consistently focusing on others and not myself. And it ends up in the end, it was never a goal of mine to have it help my career, but in a roundabout way, it, it, it really did. It, it really did at the end of the day. And where a lot of leaders go wrong is they think it's a zero-sum game. It's about advancing myself and my cause, making myself look good. For me to win, somebody has to lose. And the most progressive companies and the most progressive leadership chains realize that if you can attack your job with a servant mentality, consistently asking yourself, how can I help become others become a better version of themselves? How can I serve those around me? How can I have compassion in the job that I'm doing? Believe me, people are drawn to that and they want to work with that. And you get so much more motivation, you know, with the old saying of the carrot and the stick. It's, it's more than just carrot. It's about compassion and, and having empathy for the fellow human being and really caring about them as an individual and where their career takes them. I've found I've encountered such success in corporate and outside of corporate because I fundamentally believe. If I'm helping others, I'm doing my job. And if I'm ever in a place where that's not good enough, I have to start engaging in behaviors that are against my value system to, to stand out politically, to get myself more notoriety, then I'm happy with moving on, even if it means things like making a lot less money or working in, you know, some smaller environment that's of less stature. That it really does boil down to that. So I, now here I have to comment something that you don't, this is going to be new to you, Scott, but regular listeners to this podcast are going to know that I, you've hit on a common theme that the more effective leaders are, the more that I find that it's, the focus is on the other person and in stark contrast to what you see in movies and, and the dra dramas that you see on TV where leadership is about myself and getting ahead and what can I do and the zero something that you talked about. And what I find is effective is this focus on the other person and leadership is so much about, well, if you look at it from a purely Machiavellian terms, leadership is about motivating the other persons, their motivations that motivate them. But then that's also where you get purpose and, and meaning from. So I'm really glad to see that. So your book, just to make it clear, your book will help people to develop these skills. Is that right? That, that perspective. Yeah, I think it'll help. Um, the, the the new book coming out in October, Find the Fire, um, the subtitle, Re, you know, Reignite Your Inspiration and Make Work Exciting Again. It helps people find within themselves. First, you got to take care of yourself before you can lead others. You know, and there, there's that old saying that the purpose of leadership isn't to create more followers, it's to create more leaders. Well, mm -hmm. you can't create more leaders until you clearly believe in yourself, 
you're happy in yourself, you know, you're happy with yourself and you're, you're believing that you have the ability and wherewithal to lead for, you know, for, for all the right reasons. Berkshire Hathaway has kind of criteria of hiring that are very much focused on finding the type of people that are self-starters in their own happiness, self-starters in their own inspiration. And they look for that um, intensely because they want people that want to commit to the job because they're passionate about it and its ability to serve others through that. Not just they don't hire just whip smart people that understand investing. And that's a lot of what, you know, creating good leadership is about and what my book can help people do it. It helps them if, if you're hurting at work, if your confidence is down, if you're suffering through fear, if you feel inundated. If you become bored and you're settling, if you don't believe in yourself as much anymore and you find yourself not creating and outputting, you're not leading yourself. It is very difficult to lead other humans if you don't lead yourself first. And that's that's what my book helps you to do. It helps you to figure out the things that social science teaches us tend to drag us down into the muck and into malaise and drain our inspiration. It, my book teaches you how to reverse that. So you can lead yourself and then lead others even more effectively. Are you enjoying meeting this guest? Are you thinking about what you care about? I recommend making it active. Think about what you could do, not just analyze and plan, not do what others tell you to, but to live by your values. You'll enjoy your results. People will follow you more than you think, and you'll impact more than you expect. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast for examples of what others have done. I want to take actually something you said and relate it to the environment because you were talking about values and you're talking about leading yourself. And what you talked about values, I felt like a lot of people have to go through a struggle of living by your values sometimes when it's easier not to. And it seems to me like that's the big challenge with the environment because we grew up in a world where it was just natural to, you know, you don't have to think about it. You could, you know, you don't have to think about the exhaust out of your car or out of an airplane. You don't have to think about that, you know, 200 years ago, no matter what you threw on the ground, it would eventually biodegrade. It would not last for 10,000 years. But now a lot of stuff will. The mental models we had growing up, the values that we had growing up are inconsistent with, the science says, as far as I can tell, it's inconsistent with having like society and culture continuing for long term. So people are facing this challenge of how to, of the challenge you're talking about. I have a value that says one thing, but it's easier for me to do something different. Yeah, it's so true. You know, values are those, obviously, right? Those, those, Little things we do each and every day that exemplify who we are. They're the, you know, the life's daily little impressions that lead up to one huge permanent impression about us. And, and what I keep reminding myself and others is that we have a choice each and every day to live in support of our values or in spite of our values. And I think particularly in the case of the environment, it's so much easier to live in spite of our values rather than in support of. Because, you know, you and I have had this talk before, Joshua, because it's just easier. Mm-hmm. Doing things right as a leader is hard. Doing things right for the environment is hard. It's so much easier to live in spite of our values rather than in support of our values. And I don't point a finger at everyone else like I think I'm any, I'm any better, you know, and I have to think about this and I'm supposedly, you know, um, uh, uh, on the higher echelon of, of leaders that really start from a place other than myself. I, I mean, I teach at Indiana University on the topic of others-oriented leadership. And despite all of that, I still have to remind myself of, to live in support of versus in spite of my values. But it is truly a daily struggle. Now, you agreed to do this knowing that I was going to ask for a personal challenge. 
And yeah. for anyone who has not released a book, the launch process is insanity and everyone wants your time. And so for you to do this is like, I'm, I'm very grateful that you would give time for this podcast. And now am I right in saying that what you're talking about is what you're, what you're talking about, about not backstabbing, about getting fulfillment, about living by your values, about getting through the struggle to improve your life. That's what you've, that's, is that the vision that you have of, of the personal challenge that's going to come? I think so. So what I wanted to do was wrap small doable things and then sandwich right in the middle one big thing that I could really work on so that I could uh, enjoy some success in doing some small things and start to feed my fulfillment slowly and not be discouraged by the big challenge I'm going to put in the center of my life here, in the center of this acronym that I developed for myself. So I can kind of um, increase my chances of success and sticking with it over time and and frankly, just putting the effort in, and, and if I could see this through to, to completion, I think I'm going to find that it's going to lead to a, really a tremendous amount of accomplishment and personal success and fulfillment for me. <laughs> this is what happens when I talk to people who are like, who do leadership, who lead others and, and lead themselves. You're already like way ahead of where <laughs> I'm like, you already know how to do all this. <laughs> Let me say the basics just for anyone who hasn't, if this is the first time listening. I want to ask you, I'm inviting you to do a personal challenge and you do not have to change the world overnight. You don't have to solve everything. You don't have, you don't have to do it for very long. You don't have to do it, but if you choose to do it, I hope that you think of it as something long term, even if it's something you only commit to doing short term. And it's something that you have to come up with. And it sounds like you've already done this. It sounds like you've come up with multiple things. What, what have you come up with that you sound like you want to do? Okay, so here, here's what I, I tried to do, and hopefully you're not going to laugh at me here, Joshua, but I came up with an acronym to help me remember this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I find um, in business and with the environment that people pay a lot of lip service. They talk a lot about doing the right things for their people. They talk a lot about not worrying, you know, subjugating to the greater good. They talk a lot about making a difference in the environment and really caring. And a lot of times it's lip service. So what I tried to do, number one, was create a simple acronym, LIP, L-I-P. And I'll tell you what each <laughs> thing stands for, okay? Uh-huh. LIP. Number two, I wanted to sandwich this with the L and the P are very small things that I wanted to encourage your listeners. Like you said, and you were clear with me, it doesn't have to be life-changing stuff. You could start small. So I have two small things on the outskirts, and then I have a big thing in the middle, the I in LIP. So I'll start with the two ends, the L and the P in LIP. Um, very simple, and uh, it shames me to tell you this, but I have a huge habit of leaving like every freaking light on in the house. And my daughter and my wife tell me all the time, you're wasting electricity, and I don't have a good reason for why I leave every light on in the house, but I do. So my L in LIP, and I, it's a small thing, right, is I've talked to my wife and my daughter about this. We're going to be very, very mindful of dialing down big time the use of electricity and lighting in our house. And it's going to start with me and I'm going to start, you know, really thinking about that and paying attention to it. On the other side of that equation, small things that you can do. The P is, and this is really small, but I am also notorious for leaving everything in the world plugged in. And it doesn't need to be. I'll charge my uh, my iPhone and um, I'll take the phone off of the charger and the charger stays sitting in the wall with the, the other end of it naked and just sitting there. And uh, we'll, we'll use the toaster, but we don't unplug it when we're done. And on and on and on and on. And I, and I know that 
research is very clear on the amount of electricity you burn and waste by this just unnecessary habit of leaving everything in the house plugged in. Those are the L's and the P's, the small things. Now, the big thing in the middle for me, the I and lip, and this is where it's going to take much more commitment rather than just mindfulness. The first two were mindfulness, frankly. This, this one's, this one's commitment. The I is going to be, I'm going to work very hard at increasing I, increase use of alternatives. So I've kind of mapped this out and I'm going to start trying to, um, drive whenever I possibly can versus fly. And, you know, I will take a flight for a, a you know, a, a speech that's, you know, X number of miles away. When if I was really honest with myself, I could jump in uh, my Mini Cooper that is very good on gas mileage. Um, I bought a version that's particularly good on gas mileage. And I'm, I'm positive I would have much less of an impact. I, and by the way, I could look at bus lines as well and train lines. I wish the United States had the train line system that Europe has. But I'm going to start to really look hard at alternatives to flying where um, I could still get to the destination in a reasonable amount of time, even if it requires a little bit of extra investment. Um, I'm going to increase the use of alternatives in, for example, foods, working with my wife to figure out where can we buy foods that haven't been treated with pesticides that do a number on our environment. And it's so easy to find good organic choices that haven't been treated and doused with chemicals that I, my wife does a much better job of, of implementing that in our house, and I'm going to join her in that foray. Um, increasing use of alternatives can also be um, starting to make choices on when I have to purchase something. Purchase something that doesn't have so damn much packaging to it. There are so many things now so wrapped in so much plastic and junk and garbage that I'm going to either start asking myself, do I really need that thing to begin with? Because it's going to fill up a landfill worth, uh, you know, of plastic and crap and overpackaging. Can I do without it or can I find an alternative that's much simpler and sleeker in reward with my wallet? Those manufacturers that have thought through the amount of packaging that's really required for a product that's needed. So the theme is increasing use of alternatives and getting really serious about trying to find places to do that. The acronym is LIP, and I intend not to pay lip service, Joshua. <laughs> the way that you're talking about it is like it's so – like you're problem solving. You're like interested. This is something interesting to you. This is living by your values. You've crossed the chasm from looking at this as like, oh, it's a burden or something I don't want to deal with to I'm reading the emotion of like, what is it, curiosity or – not curiosity, like yeah. enthusiasm, intrigue. Yeah. I like that. I just had to comment on that because this is not the voice of someone who's like, oh, woe is me. I have to <laughs> not fly or something like that. It's like this is what happens when you live by your values is you explore your values. That's right. And again, you know, I, I keep going back to before I was ready to commit to you to take on the challenge. You know, I told myself if I'm not going to care about it enough, then I'm not going to do it. And that's why I believe it's almost impossible to fail at your challenge that you're issuing to your listeners. If you start from a place of reframing the challenge and reframing the outcome of what you're asking for until it matters enough. And for me, I just kept telling myself, it would be so easy to tell Joshua, I don't have time. The little thing I'm going to do isn't going to make a difference. It'll make for a good story on a podcast, but it's not going to matter. And I had to just fight all of that instinct and say, no, it, it will matter, dude. And it's time to start doing your part. And at that point, it becomes a um, in a weird way, a little bit of a game of intellectual curiosity, of measurement, of stick to itness, 
of integrity and it, it takes on a whole nother life once I, you know, once I reframed it that it needs to matter more. And now I'm very interested in it. I think it's going to be fun, frankly. Great. So now that we have a date to wrap up, you have a new book coming out. People are going to want to contact you for coaching, for more about your book. Well, how can they find you? How can they find the book? Yeah, great. Thanks, Joshua. Um, the, the, the new book is called Find the Fire, um, Ignite Your Inspiration and Make Work Exciting Again. It comes out October 12th. You can, of course, find it on Amazon, but the best place to go is go to my website, scottmouts.com, S-C-O-T-T-M as in Mary, A-U-T-Z.com, and you'll learn uh, more about the book there. You'll learn about my keynote speaking services. I also do uh, one-on-one coaching as well. And uh, if you want to follow me in social as well, uh, social as well, the scottmouts.com is your one-stop shop. And I have to add that to this that – our listeners can make their own judgment, but of the people that I've spoken to, you have, you're comprehensive, you know what you're getting into, you're taking on a big, bigger challenges than almost anyone, and you are someone who has obviously taken on challenges yourself, led other people to challenges, you've seen the hurdles that come, because all these things that are tripping other people up, you're like, you've handled it. So, I don't know if this is to promote you as like, if people want coaching, if people expect like expect, I, I expect a lot out of this book. I mean, I think it's going to deliver. So I had to comment that because I'm asking people to change themselves and you're working on it on a, on a level of comprehensiveness and what's the word? Like solid, like it's really clear that you've been through this before. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Joshua. And thanks for, for having me on. I hope uh, your listeners uh, get something uh, not only out of our talk, I hope they get something out of the book, find the fire and, um, in, in general, a lot of your podcasts, which I'm sure they will on a continued and sustaining basis. Scott shared what many people prefer to hide, letting us into his home life, seeing some stuff that a lot of people don't like to say that they leave lights on and things like that, or that their family doesn't like that they do these things. But leaders allow themselves to be vulnerable and they make themselves accountable. They choose these things voluntarily. And is it obvious also to you that he's going to use this change to improve his relationships? Many people fear that change will undermine their relationships or it'll cause problems. But leaders see others to work with, not against. A lot of people on this podcast, they choose smaller things to do for their challenges. Like uh, they'll do something like avoiding disposable coffee cups. Scott's going much bigger than that. So I wonder if he gave himself too much or did his acronym and system enable him to do more than most people? I expect he'll grow in more ways than he expects in ways that you can only get from doing things. I'm interested to hear how he takes on this multitude of challenges and if he gets it all to work together. Does hearing leaders acting on their values make you think of yours? Nothing will make you feel better than acting on them. Value means better. Acting on your values means improving your life. Committing publicly helps many people and builds community too. If you want, click on Commit to a Personal Challenge to share what you do with this community. You'll be a leader among leaders. We're more than a podcast. We're a movement to share how acting on environmental values means fun, joy, growth, and so on, not sacrifice or deprivation. If you want to join or help, contact me at josh at spodak.net or at joshuaspodak.com slash podcast. You'll grow as a leader, you'll enjoy yourself, and the world and your communities will thank you for it.